we are in a series that I tell you is getting a lot more response than I thought it was going to, to get. Um, it's a series about direction. Now, I, I prayerfully considered pr- um, preaching on this particular topic of direction because I wanted to make sure I heard from the Lord and not just from what people want their itching ears to hear. Um, There's a balance as a pastor because I I do think God speaks to me through his, through the people that I I shepherd. And, uh, but also know that, that I need to spend some time with the Lord and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to me in those quiet moments and those times as I'm digging into his word. And so, but I've come to understand that over the past uh, several months, there are a lot of people who are just seeking for direction. What do I do? And, and I'm talking about the big, big decisions in life. Uh, the, the big decisions of, you know, should I, should I marry or where, do I go to school here? Or do I go to college or I go to vocational school? Do I, do I take that new job? Do I quit my job? Do I relocate my family? Uh, lots of big decisions ahead about the direction of our lives. And so we all need some sort of divine direction. And what we have talked about and what I've come to learn is that the, the big decisions are best made when you and I realize that life is made up of simple, everyday choices. And if we focus in on the simple, everyday choices of our lives, those bigger decisions will become much easier. It's almost like it's almost like cleaning your house. You know, I don't know about, about you, but our, our family, we have a day where every, you know, it, it's a battleship. It's not a cruise ship. It's probably like your house as well. So we have a day, it's usually on Saturdays, where everybody has their chore, and we deep clean, we clean things up. And, and, and uh, you know, you may, you may be in a, in a position where you're able to do that, but some of you may be a different kind of cleaner. Maybe you're someone who are like, you know, I would rather clean throughout the week a little at a time so I can have my Saturday. And that's great. It doesn't really work out too much with us because our, our schedule and amount of people that live in our house. And, um, but, but it's almost like cleaning your house. If you just did a little bit at a time, it's not such a big deal on a Saturday. Well, just like the big choices in our lives, if we just make the small, um, important choices every day, then the bigger decisions are not such a huge um, overcoming task. And so most of us struggle to connect life's small choices we're constantly making with the big differences we want to see in our lives. And just like driving uh, in a car or going on a trip, you're going to have uh, starting and stopping. In fact, you can't go on a trip without starting. So for week one, we talked about starting and stopping. You need to be starting some things um, if you want to make these small uh, choices in your life. You've got to start. And um, many people have this idea that you want things to be just right in order to start something. Like if you have, you have something big you want, to start, you want to start in your life, maybe a, a life change, or maybe you want to relocate your family or, or whatever, there's some things that we tend to think have to fall into place. Or let's say, for example, you have made some mistakes in your life. Let's say if you made some bad choices and you're thinking, well, Frank, I, I, don't, I don't think I can, 
I can really sort of start anything because I have messed up. I've made so many wrong turns. I've gotten lost. Listen, if you ever get lost in a trip, you don't go all the way back home. You don't go all the way back home. Your GPS on your phone doesn't lead you all the way back to the beginning. It starts from where you are. So where you are in your life, doesn't matter how many wrong turns you've made. No matter how you have, uh, how you have been treated in the past, what, what life has dealt you, whether you can control that or not, that doesn't matter. Because I'm here to say you want to start from where you are. That is important. Start from where you are. Don't try to go and make sure everything's perfect from the past. Don't try to fix your past, you know. In fact, you can use your past to tell more of your story. And that's part of your story. Almost like when you're on a trip and you get lost. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, it's not, it's not fun in the moment. But after the trip, you're like, oh, yeah, remember we got lost and we almost you know, drove off the mountain. You know, that was fun. <laughs> you know? And so that's all part of being, uh, being a part of the story. And so I want to encourage you, start from where you are. And then uh, also just do one thing at a time. Many people, uh, if you're like me, you like to do lots of things multitasking. And so you think the big choices in our life, the big decisions, the big direction turns, you want to be able to do, do those things uh, all at once. You try to tackle lots of things. So I would encourage you, start with the small things and do one thing at a time until you've got a handle, a handle on it. We've, we've talked more and more about this, and, and, um, and you know, you can go back and, and look at our website, lakepointonline.com, and listen to this, how we use scripture on this. But there, there are times that you're going to need to start something, and you need to stop some things. Obviously, if you're doing some uh, things of unrighteous acts, you've got to, you probably know, the, know what those are. It's time to stop those things. Or you might be doing some things that, not necessarily bad, but they're just kind of eating up your resources of, of time and, and, and attention to where you can't give to the really more important things. So start, starting and stopping are, are, um, are, are two common things that we do when we're driving on a trip, when we're, when we're going somewhere, when we're seeking direction. We talked last week about should I stay or should I go? You come to points on your trip where you drive into a, into a motel. It's like, hmm, should I stay or should I go? Or to a restaurant. You walk in. It's like, hmm, should we stay here or should we go? Just like a trip, our life has some opportunities. Hey, should I stay with these friends? Are they really the best influence? You know, or, or, or should I go? Okay? Or it could be a reverse of that. You know, um, should, I, uh, should I stay uh, with, um, with people who are a good influence in my life? Or should I go and leave and do whatever I want? We talked last week about the story of Ruth and how the beautiful story where Ruth told her, uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, look, I, I know it's easier for me to go back to Moab because I know the language, I know the culture. And even though my, my husband died I could, I could probably get remarried. It's easier to do that, but I'm committed to staying with you. So I'm going to go with you. I want your God to be my God. I'm going to learn your language. And then again, ultimately, God blessed her with that decision to stay, to remain. There are times we, we need to remain. 
If God's called you to remain with something, to, to stick something out, and he's not telling you to move, maybe it could be in your head. You might have your own thoughts. But if God is not, if God has called you to a particular place, a, a job, a marriage, you know, some, some things in your life that you know that he's called you to, and you, you've got to stay the course, there's some things we learned about Ruth. And her story is that she kept it positive. So when you and I are called to stay with something, we've got to keep it positive. We can't be nagging or talking negative about the situation, um, griping, complaining, or being frustrated all the time about what God has given to us. And I am guilty of that just as much as some of you are as well, of we feel like we need to go, but we know God is saying, mm, I need you to stay put. And so while you're there, remove the negative out. That's what we learned from the story of Ruth. And you can go back and listen to that on our website. We, um, we also learn it is to keep in the spiritual, to bring in the spiritual part. Because Ruth, Ruth said, look, you're, I want your God to be my God. And so we want to be able to bring in the spiritual don't just depend on the practical reasoning of whether to stay the course, because in most cases, you're not going to find the practical. You're not going to find the practical. We need to include the spiritual. But I do know this, and I kind of used this with our adoption story last week. If, if God has called you to it, he will see you through it. If God has called you to it, he will see you through it. Your marriage could be rough. If you believe God's called you to marry that person, which most likely it is, hey, God will see you through it. God will see you through it. He will. Bring in the spiritual, remove the negative. Remove the complaining. And uh, very practical um, advice. We also looked at um, an example of going, how Jesus called the first disciples. When he, when he uh, was out teaching by the lake, and he told the disciples, hey, um, let me use your boat. I'm going to speak to this crowd. So he put out the boat just a little bit, still in shallow water, and he was able to speak. And after he, he spoke to the crowd, he looked at the, the, uh, the fishermen who would later become disciples. He said, go out to deeper water. Go out to deeper water. Throw out your nets, even though they just got through fishing all night. Throw out your nets. And of course, they caught a huge fish, a load of fish, and then because of that, the disciples decided, hey, there's something about this guy that is special. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to go. And so if you don't want to stay right where you are, okay, and you feel like God is telling you to take whatever you're involved in, whatever your life is in, to another level, you've got to go deeper. I mentioned marriage, okay? If you know that your marriage is in shallow water, it's just shallow. It's a little superficial. The, the conversations are deep. You're just sort of maintaining. If you want to take, if you want to leave that marriage like it is and move it to something that is better with you and your spouse, then you too need to go to deeper water. You need to dig deeper. 
You need to dig deeper into God's word, into counseling, into certain books, into devotionals. You need to take it to deeper water. And I know there are seasons. There have been season, seasons in, in uh, the marriage with, with uh, me and Suzanne to where we, ha- we feel like we're in deeper water, and then sometimes we're like, man, it's, we're, we're in shallow water. Okay, we're just kind of, we're, we're, we're just there. We're just um, running this thing, but we need to get out into some deeper water. What are you involved in? Maybe it's, maybe it's, your, uh, maybe it's your education or your career. Maybe you feel like, you know, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of stagnant with my career. I, I, I want to do something else. I want to do something with this. Well, you got you to go out to deeper water, okay? You got to leave that. You got to go and bring it. And that's scary. It is. But all in all, you got to trust. And that's what ultimately the, uh, the disciples had to do. They had to ultimately trust in Jesus and to know that everything was going to be all right. To know that, hey, the nets are drying, they've already been cleaned, but I'm going to do this anyway. It's a step of faith. It truly is. And so I know this. There are people you know who are at destinations you want to be who have gone deeper. There are people you know in your life who are at destinations that you want to be who have decided to go deeper, whether it be in their health I, I know some guys that I'm like, man, dude, how, you're like really, really healthy. And I'm like, I really need to do that, but I really need to put down the Krispy Kreme in order to do that, you know, or I need to start, you know, doing something. And, and, and so you have people in your life, whether it be health or whether it be uh, in marriage or whether it be finances, okay, who they're at destinations that you want to be, that you long to be, and they have decided to go to deeper water. And so hang around them. Get to know them. Get to understand what has, um, how they've gotten there. And so as we are going on this journey of starting and stopping and should I stay or should I go, so when you're starting a new pursuit or maybe stopping a bad habit, or staying in the midst of, of the storm, it doesn't matter how rough it is in your, in your life, but you're staying the course, or going out on a step of faith, whatever it is, you will discover that God is asking you to serve others. God is asking you to serve others. So my word for today is simply the word serve. Simply the word serve. You start, you stop, you stay, you go, but along the way, you serve. It's kind of like when you're going on a trip. You can't go on, a, especially a long trip, without serving those who are in the car. <laughs> Whether it's like, all right, we've got to bring some snacks, or we've got to, we've got to bring some um, some water or, or soft drinks, or we've got to bring some napkins, and we've got to do all of these things, uh, bring all of these things, and we've got to serve people who are, who are riding with us along the way. Because all I know is, if we as adults, as parents, 
if we decide we're not going to serve everyone else in our car, things really go bad. And as I'm driving, of course, I'm not really doing much serving because I'm like driving, right? And so it is Suzanne, the mom, who's doing all the serving. But if we decided, mm, we're not going to worry about y'all. You know, some days I wish that we just had a window that just kind of goes up and just separates us from the kids. I know you, you, you thought of that. I know you have. And maybe a little sleeping gas, you know, turn on there. Let them just go to sleep. That'd be awesome. Don't judge me. You thought of that yourself. And so you have this, you have this idea that, man, I wish it could just be uh, all about me. Listen, as we talk about divine direction, and I've mentioned some things that you're like, man, Frank, I need to get to that destination. I've got friends who are there, and, and, and I, I, God's been telling me to get things right financially in my marriage and my health and all of these things, and I know I need to do that, so I just need to, I need to do that. And that's wonderful. That's great. But let me warn you about something. When you are on that destination, when you're going towards that destination and you're trying to get divine direction of where to go, you have got to understand this one thing. Don't make everything just about you. Because it's easy to do that. I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of others along the way. To where you get to this point where, okay, I'm doing this no matter what, and that's wonderful. But then no matter what is where you got to be cautious. Because we are still here to love others and to serve others. Whether it's in our family, our friends, our neighbors, people at work. We have been placed in a certain situation for us to serve and to love. And so if you're on a trip, it can't just be all about you. You've got to serve others. I remember one time, this was several years ago, back when I was, uh, I was on staff at a church in, in Texas, and we were coming back from a, um, from a youth uh, camp. And so we were, we were on this bus, and we were, we were heading home, and on our way uh, back from the camp, uh, awesome time at camp, and we're, we're uh, driving on the road, uh, lots of rain. I mean, torrential rain, floods everywhere. And so we're just trying to be real careful. And we notice that they're on the side of the road in the ditch is a car, brake lights on. Like, it's at night. And there's a car that's in a ditch. And we notice it, and so we pull over. And we realize that the car was being submerged in the water, and water was rushing. I mean, we see pictures all the time. It's happening in, in, in parts of the country, especially in Texas. And so water is rushing uh, in, this, in this ditch, and it's going under the highway, and the car is sort of trapped right there between the water rushing in and, um, and where it flows under the highway. And so we get out, and we realize that there's a lady in her car caught. And so we immediately jump out, uh, uh, the adults and maybe some of our, our senior guys, we're like doing everything we can to get her out. I'm literally on top of the car 
and just trying to help with some things and get guys where they need to be. And we probably should not be doing this at all. But, we, but if we would have called 911 and waited for, for them to arrive, she probably would have drowned. And so I remember standing, I'm standing on her sunroof, right? <laughs> and I'm like going, I probably should get off of this because I could fall in myself. And it was very, very dangerous. And so we had some, you know, uh, some, a lot of athletes in the, in the group and, and some other adults who were able to get her and pull her out. And we literally saved her life. I have no idea who, who I can't remember the lady's name, uh, but we were able to actually, um, she was actually a believer, but we shared the gospel of salvation. It's like, hey, if you were to die tonight, you know, do, do you know Jesus? And so we were able to have that conversation with her. But if we would have said, you know, We've got, to get, we've got to get home. I know there's a car stuck here, but we just, we just got to get home. Forget, forget about that. It's all about the trip. It's all about our destination. And I know none, no, nobody in this room would ever do that, but how many times do we do that with other people? As we're so focused and intent on trying to get to a certain de- destination in our life that we, we forget about and we ignore and we overlook the people who are literally drowning. They're drowning maybe in their own issues, their own problems. So we are here to serve one another. And so I love this, how it says in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you is servant. I know we want to try to arrive to do great things in our life. We want to make a difference. We want to have purpose. But the greatest among us will be our servant, the, the, the people who are serving. And, and I think no one really shows that more than mothers. Mothers show that they serve in, in many capacities. And really, they serve in a way that, where they don't get, hardly get any recognition Moms, you probably know what I'm talking about. You do certain things, you serve, and you don't get hardly any recognition. Okay, you cook dinner, you sit down at the table. How many times do the kids, all, every one of them say, thank you, mother, for the wonderful meal you have made for us. Every once in a while you may get some of that. But whether you're cooking a meal, changing a diaper, you know, a, a baby never looks at you and goes, thank you for changing my diaper. If that happens, you probably need to get them out of the diapers, all right? <laughs> but you don't have, you, don't, you do things without recognition all the time. Without being recognized, you do things. And, and, and we can learn a lot from the heart of a mother. So today's passage, I'm going to be in, in, in John chapter 6. And I'm just going to read a few verses here. And I'm going to just share uh, just a, a few points on this. And um, that I hope that you can use. But in John chapter 6, verse 4 through, uh, through 13, this is a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So he, he's, uh, he's teaching, and uh, he's got lots of people, and uh, he realizes that, that, we need, that they need to feed the crowd. So we have this in John 6, verse 4. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said, to Philip, one of the disciples. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. 
And how do we know this? Well, because John wrote it. John was a disciple, and, and, and John probably asked him after this, hey, Jesus, did you know? Yeah, I really knew it was going to go on, and all this kind of stuff. Verse 7, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another uh, of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men. So it's got to be more than 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all um, had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now, say, well, that's a great passage, Pastor Frank. And I'm very familiar with that passage. But what does this have to do with a mother? You know, obviously we don't, we don't know every, every detail of the story. There's lots, of, there's lots of stories in the Bible where, where we can obviously uh, conclude the fact that there, you know, certain things had to be set in place in order for certain events to happen. But we could probably assume the fact that this boy... He brought a lunch. That's, that's a fact. And, and, and this boy, most likely, probably had a, a motherly figure at his house, a mom, a grandmother, you know, some sort of maternal person in his life. And there's a very good, very good chance that that mother probably made that sack lunch for that boy. It's really interesting. As we look at this boy, as we look at, and we don't know this boy's name, I can't wait to meet this boy in heaven one day. And as we get to see this boy and what he's done, we know this. He is sharing. You know, I I can't really imagine the disciples going to all 5,000 or more people and just asking, um, hey, do you have food? Do you have food? Did you bring lunch? Did you bring any kind of food? You know, this boy... Most likely, the situation probably went up to one of the disciples and said, hey, I hear you're talking about, like, you know, need to feed some people, but I, I, brought some, I brought some lunch. I brought a lunch. And so, you know, you could use that. Who taught him that? Who taught him that? Well, most likely, his mother. I mean, it's probably a combination of mother and father, but, but, but the idea of sharing something. His mother is the one who was able to do that. Moms, when you teach your kids certain things, you don't realize this, but they are living out what you're teaching them at home. Again, it goes unrecognized. It goes unrecognized. I can't tell how many times when our kids go to somebody else's house, and I, you know, some of our kids were like, man, I hope, I hope they're good. You know, you ever, you ever ask that question, you send one of your kids home, you're like, or your kid to a, to a friend's house, you're like, man, I, I sure hope this goes well. And then you get back the next day, you're like, 
you, of course, your phone's by the bed the whole night. You know, make sure there's not a place or fire or, or whatever. And, but the next day, you say, hey, how were they? How, did they have a good time? Oh, my gosh, your son or your daughter, they're amazing. They're so polite. They share. They, they stood last in line, and we're like, what? <laughs> my child? You know why? They're living out what you tell them. Let me tell you something. Moms, you're not going to get much of that at home. You may get a little bit of that at home, but you're not going to get, they want it to be their idea. They do. Kids, we, we found you out. We know. We understand. They want it to be their idea. And so when they're away from mom and away from dad, when they're away from home, they're, they're going to live out those things that you are teaching them. Just like this kid. Hey, Here's my sack lunch. I'm going to share. So moms, don't give up. I can imagine a kid coming home. Mom, you won't, be, you won't believe what just happened. You know the lunch you made me? Yeah, well, we fed like 5,000 people with it. What? I mean, just you don't understand fully what, what your teaching does. Um, another thing that we, uh, that we see this in, in, verse, in verse 6, we see, as I said earlier, it says that um, he, he asked this only to test him for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Let me tell you something. Moms, God already has in mind what he wants to do with your serving heart. He does. He already has in mind. And not just moms. As we are going on our destination, as we're driving and trying to get directions in this crazy life, as we do things to help others and to love others and show that we love them and serve them, God already has a plan of what to do with that. You don't understand what your little act of kindness or serving will do to others. That mom had no idea as she's making that sandwich, as she's making that, that lunch, she had no idea that that's going to feed 5,000 people. But God already had a plan. God already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus knew there was going to be a boy who brings his lunch. And Jesus knows, God knows what you are doing to show love, support, and serving people along the way. And not making it about yourself. But we want to get to our destination. That's great. But along the way, we've got to serve. We have to serve. I love this in this, in this passage. Did you see how Jesus blessed the lunch? He gave thanks. So that lunch, that lunch that was made at home, was held by the Son of God. The, the bread was held by the Son of God. Jesus gave thanks and blessed that lunch. Moms, in your mundane acts that you're doing as a mother, keep doing that because God is blessing it even though you can't see it. God is blessing it even though you can't see it. Those Making lunch moments, making beds, cleaning toilets, whatever it is, 
whatever you're doing, those mundane things in life, keep doing them. Because you don't realize, you may not see that God is blessing it. He is. We see what Jesus did with that lunch. He's blessing it. And the last thing we see is this. How the mundane of, of, of simple acts of, of like making a lunch, the mundane turns into the miraculous. The mundane turns into the miraculous. You want to see a miracle in your life, moms, ladies? Then keep doing the faithful mundane things and watch it turn into the, a miracle in the lives of your kids. Don't give up. Keep doing those things. Keep pressing on. And know this. You know what? I, I, I've never thought about this until I read this this week. I've read this passage many times over. <clears throat> that lunch that was made at home, it fed 5,000 people. But it also fed Jesus. The Son of God <clears throat> will enjoy what you do. The Son of God enjoys your mundane things that you do. So, moms, I want to encourage you to keep that up. <coughs> Don't allow the, the frustrations of life to steer you away from doing the faithful, mundane things. Continue to serve. And everybody else, we can learn from, from moms. We can learn from moms. Just continue to do the things of serving people, loving people, because it does make a difference. And because I know this, your trip to your destination will be so much more fulfilling and rewarding and enjoyable if you and I serve people, love people on our way to our destination. And as I close, I'm going to close this passage in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You are serving Christ. The lunch made at home, serving Christ. What you do at home, what you do at work, what you do with your family, you are serving Christ. And moms, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. You have shown us as example how to serve and how to love. And as we all are trying to find our divine destination, our divine direction to that destination God has called us to, please don't forget to love people, serve people. And God is going to make that trip more enjoyable and more fulfilling.